You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! In the 1890s, uh, Ivan Pavlov, a Russian scientist, trained dogs to salivate at the sound of a bell. Um, much in the same way, when you play an episode of Overnight Drive, and before music you hear my voice, I have at this point probably trained you to expect something weird. And weird is what you're going to get. Uh, this is episode 103. Thanks so, so much to everyone who's listened to the past 102. Um, it's it's very neat that, that we finally, after like a, a lot of years of this weekly show, crossed, uh, crossed 100 episode threshold. I'll let you do the math on that. Um, and every now and then we'll do an episode where it's just a bunch of people in one room. We just set up a microphone in a place that makes kind of sense and we just sort of let fly and you know whatever happens happens like we don't really have like uh we don't really have talking points or you know scripts or anything like that it's just sort of a free-flowing conversation um by and large these shows are the least listened to on the metrics but the most enjoyed and most commented on um I don't know what to do with that exactly. Uh, and this one, I expect, will be no exception. This one is probably our most challenging episode to date. Um, we really took this format of, I'll oh, just throw a microphone out there and, you know, see what happens, uh, to maybe an illogical extreme. There's music pa- playing, people are getting up, moving around. There's one point where we have two side conversations. Um, thankfully, only one of them really picks up. But just the same, it is uh, it is very, very freeform. Um, my cat just opened a door. Actually, my cat opening a door here in this disclaimer is a pretty good way to get you guys situated and settled in for, uh, for what's going on. Um... I may be making a bigger deal about it than it is, but uh, just just prepare yourself for room noise, music in the background. It's um, it'll be not the first one I would recommend to new listeners. If you found this podcast because we're one sixty eight out of two hundred, you know, comedy podcasts on iTunes right now, which is real neat. Uh, I'd urge you to go back and try try a different one. This this is not the place to start. Um, having said all of that, I think this episode is really one of the, one of the best. It's really dynamic, it's a little weird, and it's kind of like, I didn't realize how dark it was when we recorded it. I was just sitting there, we were having drinks, having a good time. I didn't realize there were, there was a few points of, uh, 
a, a very human drama in this, and I really liked it going back. So, I don't know. I, I hope everyone else does, too. If you don't like it, you can write things on Tumblr, and I will probably delete them. And, uh, yeah, for everyone else, I hope you enjoy it. We'll be back. Uh, I always say we'll be back next week, and we rarely are, but we'll be back next week with episode 104. Be good. car broke down on the Ocean Park Highway, and uh, we saw Blake walking his cat, and uh, we said, hey dude, can I use your phone? <laughs> and fi- here we are five hours later, a little beard up, listening to the ventures, and we ended up in Blake's house. Uh, here you are, live from Brooklyn, New York. Where weirdly there's no phone. Yeah. That was, was, that was the weirdest part. Yeah, that was a little odd. We were just waiting for him to bring out the phone, and uh, I just never had a phone, there's no phone. <laughs> <laughs> And no phone was produced. No, no phone was produced, so we we're just kind of sitting. We um, live here now. We live here now. Oh, you're all moving in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what this is about. We can, put out, we can put up a sheet and then another sheet. I mean, this is a big oh, no, Yeah, you can, you can separate this into four privacy curtains fairly easy. <laughs> One person has to walk through another's <laughs> privacy curtain. That's it. I mean, the, 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 uh, the part of all every good punk house is a privacy curtain. Making the uh, making your like foyer where you put your bike in your, in your pile of unopened mail, make it into a room. You know, you I'm get home from tour and you open the door and there's a sheet there. You're like, the fuck? I'm like, oh, this? Turbo moved in. We forgot to tell you. Seventy-five bucks a month, and he'll we'll put the cable bill in his name. <laughs> awesome. Let's do it. His dad works at the cable company. Um, uh, here we are again. What was this overnight drive number one hundred and three? One hundred and three. Um, you guys are just flying by. Yeah, <laughs> we're really I hard to believe. There's a hundred and three of these things. I kind of have a hard time believing that yes. too. But who's your fan base? Ah, we ask ourselves that question every day. We got to see no. them at the live show. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, that's right. They were overwhelmingly white and overwhelmingly pale. Yeah, um, and quiet, and quiet, very quiet, very quiet guard, people, guarded, and introspective. And everybody sat like the whole show. Everybody sat down. Was there was no laughter. There was a little, a little bit of laughter. Episode 100. Uh, there was some laughter. No, actually, we had them all in stitches. It was like a, for a brief moment in time, it was like a comedy show. And uh, very brief. It was very, great. very brief. Moment we we made we made amends. <laughs> we made amends with Sean Duty, as you remember the, from the yeah, uh, sure, yeah. And uh, he, uh, I think uh, your song about him was uh, in, played no small part in bringing him back to reality. It turned out that Sean Duty got drunk and insulted all of us, and then we just thought that he had these, this big beef with us, and then it ended up he was just drunk. But it was weird, so we didn't talk for a year. You just found... We found it like, like a month ago. I think ago. he was not- still angry. I think he got drunk, said some shit, and worked himself into being angry for a minute. That's, that, that's my take on the situation. <laughs> you know, whenever I do the show... I always feel like I'm the new guitarist. In that <laughs> and you're telling me the whole... All right, so... Down. 
See, uh, the problem with Kenny was he, he oh. could play really well, but he had this thing with his grandmother. Well, what we want... Well, okay, so we just jammed, and it was cool. We just want you... If you could use his old gear. His <laughs> <little> parts. <laughs> we want to keep, keep that sound. Uh, we want to we we keep the sound going, but uh, we just need kind of like a seat filler. We've got a... Uh, we've got like, what? How many dates are coming up? We got well. We got uh, you know Richmond, and uh, you know just kind of drive down south from there. See would you, would you buy a crate blue voodoo like uh, <laughs> like you used to play? Maybe he's got a crate blue voodoo hooked into a four by twelve with three working speakers. I hope that's okay. Um, that sounds like an all right rig, man. That's can, a good rig. I can make that work if you just need another warm body on the stage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just don't know, not, not a lot of moving around, and if you could just play the songs perfectly and uh, maybe load. Like this load in around. That's a really painful subject. What is the added member? Yeah. (laughs) Anything? Do tell. Well, (laughs) I I have been one, but I've also seen it happen. Yeah. Like adding a person to a band is pretty tricky. We did that. I, they they called me to to join the band when I was having my teeth drilled. Yeah. So I was like under. Not Novocaine. What's the the shit they give you the gas or whatnot? Like I was just like all fucked up, and I got a voicemail. I'm like, I called back. Well, sure, you got okay. Yep. No problem. We were like, yes, but for I'm on our end, we're like, yeah, man, this guy does sound. So he know he must know how to like, Whoops. you know, because we knew him as the sound guy at the club we used to play at all the time, and he was like the best sound guy. Like we made our songs come alive and shine, and I think that's a big reason of the reason, big part of the reason why we. Uh, Got where we did in our in Albany. Say no to that. <laughs> no to all those things. And uh, you know, but then we asked him to be our bass player, and the rest is awesome history. There's oh. another one. I noticed. I, I reached down to touch a cat. I'm like, oh, this cat is. They're are the cutest. Like like <laughs> she's the queen. These are like cute cute like if you go if you Google or YouTube like cute cat videos. These are the cutest cats on earth. They are really cute. So awesome. So good. If you were here, you'd be kind of melting. I think. Like <laughs> <laughs> the word. That's the word. Um, needs an introduction. Uh, we've got our friend Blake here with us uh, at his house that so we were about to take over. Three against. So you one. guys were just halfway between the next show. Yeah. No. Well. well okay. <laughs> what happened was, in the grand tradition of uh, our band, the bass player left mid-tour. His girlfriend. Uh, checked his bank balance, I think, and said, you don't have enough money to go on tour. You need to come home. I love this. And he was so like, good. we were in a pizza place right near First Avenue, the, the Prince Club, whatever it was. We were in a pizza place. And we were all like, he's like, went to the ATM and he looked white and came back. And, yeah, whatever. and then he went and used the phone and, uh, and he just was like, I can't do it. Because we were, we were doing the thing where we were staying, like we had a day, and instead of being like, Normal, like oh, we have a day off in Minneapolis. Let's go see stuff. Let's go see that cherry. You know, he we just hung out at the person we're staying with that we barely knew his house for like forty eight hours <laughs> and did nothing. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> he decided to leave then. So we were like, oh, I don't know. So the band we're touring with that we didn't really know that well. Their guitarist just agreed to play bass for us, but he just played like like E, and then like he did like Tom Araya from Slayer, who just like <laughs> E. And then, like, occasionally, go like, so it wasn't very good. Uh, well, we knew that we had Andrew coming. And then our Secret first weapon. our first practice back, it was like, it was like, was it was like your first time. It was so good with him. Did you just, like, wrap the mic around your fist and 
just go for it? Well, they had uh, <laughs> they had a dude who you played way before, who like overplayed to like a ridiculous degree, you know all that fucking shit. Um, and so to prepare, I learned all of his ridiculous things. Assuming that's what they needed. So we got in and started to practice, and I'm, like, doing, like, hammer-ons on the fucking base, and I, we stopped, and everyone's like, all right, dial that back a little bit, yeah. and that was that. Far be it from us to, to tell anyone how to play. It's a little extreme. <laughs> <laughs> Even when I go back and listen to some of the shit we did, I'm still like, wow, I'm really the fucking complex about yeah. fucking attention. Holy shit. Yeah. Well, yeah. So. And that was that. That was that. I can't talk to... Oh, okay. Oh, it's just kittens here. It's just, just cats. Just cats doing cat things. So, uh, so um, hey guys, so we're all up to date, pals. How, how you been, man? Uh, I've, been, I've been well <laughs> since I got back. <laughs> yeah, I heard you had a, heard you interesting had a, time heard out you in California this Fucking summer. hell of a couple months. You want to uh, <laughs> talk about it? I don't even know where to begin, really. I mean, I think it... How long ago was it when you were on last? Like... It was beginning. All things went really wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> things seemed pretty like, it was chill. Pretty good then. All right. <laughs> okay, so well, last time we saw you, things were pretty good. Pretty good. They were going in the right direction. Yeah, everything was great. You know, you were do some research. Was heading out on tour soon. You had just played a show in Queens. That's right. Just yeah. uh, like a street fair type of yeah fest thing. And uh, yeah. street festival. You played a street festival. Um, yeah, Blake and I were talking on the phone. It was, it was he, I could hear the, I could hear the, the glee, almost the glee in his voice. He's like, "Man, life is. I mean, things are going really <coughs> on the right track here." Rob. I thought I was head, headed the right way. Things are going on a good rail. And then <laughs> August twenty fifth was when that uh, that episode came out. All right, so it's been okay. a while. All right, so uh, then you. Um, uh, so I, we're on. We're on the Saturday after Thanksgiving now. Yep. Happy Thanksgiving. You too. <laughs> How was it? <laughs> oh, it was fine. I, I went upstairs and visited some friends, and uh, just, you know, just That's a awesome. lot of kids, a lot of uh, good food. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was nice. Um, so, uh, what happened? <laughs> well, how did you end up in California? Like, was it? Were you? Did well, you go out there for? For family. Yeah. Yeah. I, I uh, I'm from California. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of my dad's in LA and my grandfather's there. And he just turned 97, so wow. I went out to see him and uh, see my dad. And, and then uh, a couple weeks later, I was locked up. Damn. How long was the trip supposed to be? It was. It was going to be. Um, it was Wednesday to Wednesday. I called it the big Wednesday trip. All right. Uh, all right. Well, I mean, I'm usually the one with the 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 story that's hard to tell. But I think I'm off the I'm off the hook. Yeah. So this is not a story I, I think I know how to tell yet. No. Okay. I mean, I can I can say that I was incarcerated for six weeks, <clears throat> and. Uh, and I spent six weeks in San Diego County Jail. Fuck. And then I just got out and just kept going east. Okay. Pretty much. Head north east. and then east and east. Okay. And I'm, I'm really happy to be back. That's awesome. On probation, but... Fuck. More or less restored to my 
basic rights. Yeah, and power's on. You know, a lot of new face too. tattoos. Let's get to the tattoo of the blood. Oh, yeah, what gang did you join? I forgot to ask. Uh, which, uh, did you join the white power guys, or was it the... Uh, just joined the white guys. The white guys. <laughs> we didn't have a lot of power. It was like a doo-wop group, right? Called the white guys. <laughs> Barbershop quartet. Yeah. We did, there was some singing in the shower. Oh, I bet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was gnarly, sexy. gnarly stuff. It was not sexy. It was like, no. the, there's the idea of sex in jail is so challenging. I, I think there was sex going on there, but there was nothing sexy about it to me. No no prison fantasy shit? Nothing uh, there was slightly fun. erotic? There were romantic moments. When I, I was indoors almost the entire time I was there. But when I'd get to go on a walk to the nurse's station at night, you'd be outside, and it was like in the desert near Tijuana, actually. It was... Um, the jail was kind of out, way out there, and then I would see like animals, <laughs> and that was pretty romantic. Like, what kind of animals? Rabbits. Oh. A lot of rabbits. So if I ever saw a rabbit on my night walk, I thought I was on track. You know, that the natural world was going to look out for me. <laughs> like it's a, like life get of, me out of jail someday. Like yeah, it seems like some kind of allegory or something, right? Like some kind of like. Mystical being in the desert. Um, it <laughs> sounds right. It sounds very romantic to me. It w- it was and quite beautiful too. You know the desert at night in the summer. So it was like those a were the best times, just being out of the out of the fucking day room. They're like there's no windows in it, so it's just this giant gymnasium full of men <laughs> who are hungry and pissed off and like you know feel like they've been. Wrongly oh. judged. Sure. Yeah. So it's a pretty intense space. I didn't think about how close you are to TJ there, too. So you probably had some real, like, characters coming through there. We had a, a lot of... There, I mean, there's a big Mexican population there. Mm. And uh, those guys were the best artists. They, they did... Uh, what I really got into was, like, doing pencil art, because you can't have pens in there. But I, I learned to work with graphite... <laughs> Well. <laughs> so is that to avoid tattoos? I, you know, I think it's. I don't know what arcane law prohibits ink versus graphite. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I have no idea why that exists. When I ask guards, they would just shrug. Or I don't care. You can't <laughs> stab <laughs> someone with a pencil, but you can. But again, I, you can quite certainly stab someone with a pencil. <laughs> I mean, I, as a guard and a jail, I think I'd be really thrilled that somebody asked me like something about why there's no pens allowed and like in, in contrast to the questions that they usually got I don't know. I know but they're so Hans, they're so stupid. The guards? I yeah. Add in. yeah. They're like they're really fucking horrible people. I always think about that. Like the the, the person Angry. who goes out for that job is like a, a damaged person in like a, a really major way. So they're just basically just if you're in there they just treat you like like you're just like a non-factor. You're like a piece of garbage, basically. Uh, you're a body. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the smarter people around me said. Like, you know, these guys, all they do is count and push buttons. Wow. Like, they count bodies, and then they push the unlock your door button. <laughs> Fuck. There were a couple guys that were all right, and some older older guys who I liked. But, yeah, they were pretty freaky dudes. I learned quickly not to try and engage with guards, they're not 
ever going to be your friend or no. but you just got to respect them and like do what they say and try and stay out of their attention Jesus what about the inmates were there any that you became friendly with or oh, that yeah, cool? a lot of great guys in there I mean I, I I made very few enemies I got I got beat up a couple times but just because of Jesus like the weird race politics in there I I miss I didn't know the rules <laughs> there's like etiquette there's total etiquette and they just wait for you to fuck up and then they beat you up and then they tell you like that's why you got beat up right they must so be like money. waiting for a new person to come in so that they can kind of like prey on them to yeah I think that's it to have their bit of control and like also to keep the whole status quo going uh but I, yeah, I met. I, I joined a D and D group. That's sick. It was. <laughs> oh, you're speaking Andrew's heart right the only, here. Only prison gang I could join is great. It was a really good group, and I would, I would like do live um, illustrations for our adventure. <laughs> but yeah, there are two wow. guys who were super cool who I bunked with for a while, and, and uh, they, like after the first day, they rolled me in on their game. But That's awesome. I was like. Okay. <laughs> It's going to work out in this cell. <laughs> wow. It's awesome that you have D&D in there. That's really nice. They made dice out of soap. Ah, interesting. Shit. And, um, yeah, and then one dude was just a straight-up wizard. Like, he, he just knew how all the rules and counts. Oh, so you didn't have books. You just had a dude who knew everything. Wow. Yeah. Jesus Christ. A wizard. A wizard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the wizard. Or a, master, a dungeon master. I yeah. Guess he was. DM. A DM. Wow. Yeah, great. great. It was like radio, actually. It was like, because he would speak you through, the, you know, kind of walk you through the environment. And it was this post-apocalyptic game that was like we were on some starship <laughs> trying to get back to, like, a past Earth. That's about as far as I got in the adventure, but we, we had, like, some major hijinks. Wow. Our group got into some, like, bar brawls and, you know. Fuck some people up and hijack the ship and like <laughs> it was a great way to get out of the the room for a minute. There's a podcast that Brian Fossein does where it's just him and his friends playing Dungeons and Dragons, and every you know, like every hour of the game, they cut and it becomes a new episode. It's so engrossing. I love it. It's really, really good. Hmm. You guys huh. just started group, D and D group. <laughs> Still dice around somewhere, I'm sure. Oh man. I like the yeah, just the narration of it. That's what I, I I played a little bit when I was younger, but I usually played alone because I lived out in the rural Oregon. Yeah. Like when I really got into the game, there was no one around to play with, so I would just kind of like roll as though there were two people there. Mm-hmm. However, you do it when you play by yourself. <laughs> I was really good at drawing maps, and like I loved you know designing kingdoms and kind of. I was the worst at Dungeons and Dragons because I used to hang out with this, these two brothers, Eric and Todd Beecher, who uh, lived in an apartment like right near where my mom worked. And Todd, because he was older, was always the DM, and he would try. He would craft these stories, like he would write them out, like in a notebook and everything. And they like with his brother, and they'd be all player on his kitchen table eating Little Caesars pizza. Which is where I got my love for Little Caesar's Pizza. Oh my god, the Little Caesar's Pizza and like fucking great price chopper three liter soda bottles. It's like it's. I'm cool. sorry, sorry, you fucking grew up in the mansion. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you dirty Italian. Yeah, <laughs> but um, he would. Oh, Todd would always be like, "So your guys are walking," 
and you see a bush and it moves. And I was like, I was like, I set the bush on fire with a flaming arrow. And he'd be like, you can't do that. It's a story. Oh, <laughs> like, you just made her so mad. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was like, what, what would you do? You know? And then when we moved on to Shadowrun and we, we got a little older and into metal and we played Shadowrun. And I would be like, I blow the building up with all this. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I just, I, I summon a wind to go to blow the building up. Yeah. Fuck you. Sorry, right, man. <laughs> Look, okay, so say this is, we're about to all go in the combat, and you're like, we're on high alert, and you see somebody, you see a bush move. Well, what would you do? Set on fire. Thank you. I just do it all the time anyway. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, uh, ultra heavy scene. Uh, but uh, Dungeons and Dragons sounds like uh, it would make it would bring me great joy, like a like an oasis, like an island in a sea of shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there was there there was some respite. Yeah, I've been reading uh, Merle Haggard's autobiography, "Sing Me Back Home." Yeah, which is available for like two forty nine hardback on Amazon <laughs> awesome. usually, and he it's great. It's a great book because he spends half the book is about jail. Cool. And then, like, a third of it's a quarter of it's about his music, and mm. the rest is about the family. But it's been uh, interesting to see his perspective. You're reading it's, that right now? Yeah. yeah that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, I remember that. <clears throat> well, thank you for sharing uh, what, what you feel like you can share with us about that experience. I really, I really appreciate it. Hey, hey, it's my duty as like a former guest of the county. You know? <laughs> I, like, I mean, seriously, there are a lot of laws being broken in there, and at some point, when I get my council back in town, I want to do what I can to address those yeah. things. <laughs> I heard your lawyer. Your lawyer was supposed to be here, and uh, and uh, what was his name? Roddy Palms, or what was his name? <laughs> uh, I can't. I can't remember now. I can't remember now. Um, but they, I mean, there are some major scams going on in jail, like, like concessions. What? Yeah, they, they've introduced this uh, shopping network where you can buy ramen and oh, like candy a commissary. Bars. The commissary, exactly. Yeah. Well, they're probably that's where like like a lot of money, like really marked up, right? It's not. It's it, it, they're making a shitload of money. So you get money from the outside to fund that, or how do you fund it? You have to have money on your books for your family or friends so they send you kind of virtual cash wow. and then you can order on the commissary form and ramen is like a great source of currency in jail that was mm-hmm. the number one item soups because you can kind of cook them your own way in your cell and like so that's people would trick them out with like crushed certain uh, Fritos and stuff yeah it's like you're on Mama Fuko. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a really fancy ramen place. Okay. <laughs> but what other like what other <clears throat> stuff could you buy there? You could buy. Well, there were just some pretty interesting items. There was like hot chili peppers. There were some fresh items, which was really bizarre. Um, ch- a- kind of Asian sauces and blends for like seasonings. Wow. Very much about cooking a, a big soup. Wow. For like the group for the. So it's like little ramen accessories. Yeah, but everyone would put in their ramen to make like a big exactly. Okay, so some guy would come around and say like, "Are you putting in for big the, soup the feed this week?" It's awesome. You either did or you didn't. It's like boy could strikes. or you couldn't. But well, they, yeah, they're making a lot of money on that, and they're making tons on the fucking telephone calls. Oh yeah, that's all like now coming down. The FCC has been suing Securus. That was the company that did our phone work, and it's like. 
it's crazy when you start looking into it. I think it's somewhere anywhere from like four to twelve dollars a a minute. No second, wow. yeah, it's you just really insane. Fucking gouge the inmates. Do you know if was visitation face to face or was it video call? Uh, I did both. I did a I did a meeting. I did video court. <laughs> video court? Yeah. Video court. That sounds that super sounds like legal. a good sitcom. It was pretty video court. Wild. <laughs> yeah, they had that. So you can consult your um, future probation or your attorney, and they just they lock you to a table in a room and, and they turn on the video monitor, and then they're behind a two-way mirror or whatever. That was an amazing meeting actually because I looked up and I realized the guards were there was a glass ceiling. Um, you know, plexiglass or something. But I looked up and realized they were all walking overhead and they can see down into the video conference room. Oh, so you don't want to be wearing a skirt up there. To make sure no one, to make sure no one, uh, like shows no funny business or anything. Wow. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just a control thing. Jesus. Just the way that the building was designed, the architecture was very, seemed to have a logic to it. It was pretty wow. cruel. <laughs> But yeah, I did a uh, so I did a video conference. But also, like when my dad or um, my cousins would come see me, that was across glass with a little phone. And uh, but you could they were like in the room with you because they were on the other side of very thick glass. Yeah. So you're in this kind of long chamber of the inmates, and you meet with people on you know on the other side of that. Because I guess there's jails now where they do all of that to avoid contraband. It's all by video phone, and I'm like, that sucks. If people yeah, have to really physically dark. come out there to video phone you, you know, because you can't even like be in the same room with them. Oh uh, yeah. So, I don't know if that's like how things are going now, how they're going to be doing it, but it seems like very cruel to do that. Yeah. You know. I mean, I think visits and mail are the most important things. Yeah. When I was in there, like I would just wait for mail. Mail was so exciting and. Phone calls, anything to know that you're not hallucinating because mm. it's such an unreal experience. I mean, the, everything in jail is just inverted. And people kept saying that to me, and I, I kept trying to be live my like literal life. Like, yeah. I'm good to you, you're good to me. This is our basic human equation. No. <laughs> and people would just keep saying like, you, you got to get it, man. They they really thought I was stupid. Like inmates would get super mad at me, not kick my ass, but just say like. Man, you just don't get it. Like, everything is upside down here. So, like, it's a, it's such a weird world to live in. You know, it's, the values are so inverted. And so I'd imagine if you spend a lot of time there, right, and then you get out, you're like, you have to learn a whole, like, go back to your original set of rules. It's probably super confusing I, for people. Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, I, I don't think I got institutionalized. Because I had good support outside and people, letters and stuff coming in and going out. And I, I tried to stay somewhat creative in there. But, uh, yeah, if you, I mean, there's guys in there for years. What I found really interesting is everyone said that prison is way better than jail. Why is that? Because you get to actually, like, sort your shit out and, like, you, you get your cell or your space... You can have television, you can have conjugal visits, you can have, you can, you know, it's just much more ordered. But jail is this kind of like, 
ambiguous state, I think, mm-hmm. like detention, where you're just at the whim of the state or the county or the whatever. So jail is really chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. Because no one's, I don't think you can be there longer than like a year and a half or something before you have to get out or roll it over into a prison thing. So it's always like transient sort of like... Very, yeah. People come in and go out every day. So you'll know, you may become friends with someone, and then that night they got out, you find out in the morning, like, oh wow, you know, mm. he's gone. So, yeah, it's it's very transitory. Yeah. How many, like, what was, like, the sleeping arrangement? Like, were there a ton of people in a room, or did you have your own uh, They had quarters? different setups. There, there was, like, a dorm style where they were, like, it was, like, camp. <laughs> like, three-tiered bunks um, and a whole bunch of them in one area. So then you were with, you know, like, 60 guys. Uh, and I was in that for a little bit, and then I got moved to a kind of a, a, a unit that was considered, I guess I got, I graduated. So there were rooms, like cells, with two bunks or three bunks. And I, I spent my last couple weeks there with uh, just with one guy. So we had our own room, and we kind of had our little hierarchy and... You know, his side, my side. Yeah. <laughs> Privacy <orders>. curtain. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, there was none of that. Mm. Yeah. So you're out. Why, okay, so it's the day you're out. Is it like TV where you walk out and there's like, like Elwood Blues is waiting for you in the car? Or like, how is that? Like, it was, I had my mom and my dad and my cousin and her husband. And it's fucking great. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Like amazing. I fucking... Like my mom grabbed me and was like, "Let's go!" I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. We just shuffled over to the car, got in, so you know. That's so good. And I uh, went to Seven Eleven. So my my first. Oh, thank you. Seven yeah. Eleven Slurpee first stop. Yeah, I did it. get a Slurpee. I got <laughs> one of those go. like nuclear peanut colada. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to, you know, you mix your own. Yes. I had this zany like cocaine. Coke, you had a Coke in the bottom and this pina colada and a cherry. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm going to 7-Eleven. Let's go to 7-Eleven. I've been around the corner for me for years. I never went. That's awesome. So, you're out. You're great. You're feeling good. You got all your, all your shit together. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. I, when, I, when I saw you And that's why we're starting, like, the fucking hardest band in the world. Yeah. Oh, basically. <laughs> this yeah. season. I think we're going to start... I don't know if it's like it's tragedy meets um, bad ball prodigy prodigy <laughs> like electronic and hardcore absolutely no right? that's, yeah, that's this is what, really what we all came together to announce is that we're starting the hardest band in the world <laughs> um, could be man I, I, I have no doubts I, mean, I don't have any tears yet but like no. the only tears okay. of frust- only tears of frustration when we, when we make a song and it isn't hard see, enough. See, Can I, I just quote John Stab and say, these are the tears of joy streaming down my face? <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, you may. <laughs> I, were I in your position, I don't think I could have helped myself, but to have somebody be like, with a good pen, be like, you need to draw a teardrop on me for when I you know, get on the plane and go home. Like I, just, I, I need to be that fucking jerk off for one minute and, oh, no, uh, no. and have a fake teardrop. Coming just out of jail, a, like a memento. Uh, well, no, yeah, exactly. I just want to like if if I was coming back home and a bunch of people I hadn't seen because I was in jail, I would want to have you or like 
come with like a be like, oh yeah, I found Allah in prison. It was uh, it was wild, you know, it was whatever. <laughs> see how long you can shine people on for. I, I, yeah, I would probably shine people on. Yeah, no matter what. Um, <clears throat> that's great. So what what's the story on uh, on the music? Like uh, other than other than uh, we are in front of two Korg electribes. If you think we're full of shit. You need to fucking check yourself because we uh, the, the Korgs are here. They're flashing right now. They're flashing right yeah. now, and they're uh, the uh, uh, the hardest band in the world. But got the rhythm that, synth and the analog modeling synth. Yeah. And when Andrew gets the MIDI sorted out, they're going to be fucking fully chained. I got a MIDI. When Andrew gets the slavery sorted out. Yeah, I got, I got a slave. We're good. <laughs> so uh, I've got a one spot and like six pedals chained up in the in the ISO booth too. So my oldest friend, like the the guy I've known the longest on earth, uh, is super into MIDI and lives a few blocks away. I'll, uh, I'll have him sort the MIDI out. Definitely. I need a MIDI doctor. This <laughs> dude seems like he can call, do it. Call Doctor MIDI. One eight hundred, Doctor Mitty. Doctor Mitty. It's funny he'll he'll go on Facebook and just be like, Jesus, fuck Mitty. I'm like, yeah, what year is this? What's it's happening. What is going on? The reason I ask about the the, the music, uh, we, we, we haven't really talked that much about. Um, well, okay, when you got out, and then you played a show of uh, you played a show, and it was like everybody I know had that YouTube video, and they were like. Oh my god, he's, he's playing all these, black, all these Jawbreaker songs. Oh, that's right. And you were, like, right before you came home. You played yeah. It, and, like, how did that, you just, that, was that part of what you already had set up? Or, like, what, what was the deal with that? I made that happen because I, I was broke. So, oh. I have a lot of debt. Safe. All right. <laughs> Legal, you know, <laughs> credit, card. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just kind of... Wanted to see if we, we could do a spontaneous show. That's awesome. With the highest bidder who seemed reasonably human. <laughs> Legit, yeah. And two people like jumped right in, and um, they were both really cool shows. Yeah, like I saw totally the fun, yeah. wacky, way out of LA. So that was kind of cool. nice. They weren't actually in Hollywood or anything. We were like, when people have to drive all the way to a show, it, it, it's because they mean it. So it's really nice. It's nice yeah. to get people that who want to be there instead of people who just kind of show up. No, and the locals so. are just so psyched. They're like, why'd you oh. pick Pomona? Like, <laughs> yeah. Something's happening no, in the I watched the videos. It was just, it was so good to, as a as a person I consider my friend, it was so good to see you, like, just didn't miss a beat. It was like, boom. And they were, <laughs> it was like, it was, it was awesome. It was awesome to see that. And uh, it was awesome to see people were just like very, very excited to see you play those songs. Um, are you going to play... Uh, I know this seems like this seems like a fucking bullshit music interview, but I actually have I actually wanted to ask you these questions. Um, are you? What's next? Are you guys still gonna play some makeup shows, or what's the deal? I want, yeah, I want to make it up, you know. Um, I want to do the tour. The, yeah. Okay. The Jawbreaker reunion tour. For real? You know. Well, no, I mean the band. Yeah, I know. Because we were going to do that show together. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I was like, how about I drive excursion? No, you want like I owe them, you know, that that was oh, that, that was, was going to be a really cool event. The Kingston show, yeah. yeah I, was, I, was, I was there, I had a car load, uh, I had like three, four people in my little car, we're all going to go. It was, like, it was like the 90s, man, all over again. We're just going to go down, and, uh, and then it was like, uh, and then it didn't happen. So it'll be great. So you're gonna do it? I'd like to. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting on my uh, the guy I, I want to be playing music with to be home for a little bit. He's traveling 
now. Cool. But I, I don't want to do it alone. I can no. I want to have a band. So oh yeah, that part's still being f- figured out. <laughs> exactly. It's pretty hard to find people who don't work all the time. But uh, yeah, maybe there's some people around here. I don't know. <laughs> <I'm saying. laughs> if only there were some musicians in the room. If only there were some seasoned touring musicians. Who I I mean I I, I can't play that well. But I, I comic relief and I could drive like a, like a motherfucker. So that's why they kept me around for so long because I would always drive and no one would ever and worry just about. Fucking just cut people off. Tell me to tell me to play a, a B flat. I'd be like, I mean, what 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 tab? What number tab is that? <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, I, I, I would be uh, no that's good that's good I'm glad it's good to hear because it was it was a source of excitement to uh, see your kind of like you playing like a bunch of shows it was awesome yeah I know I lost a lot of revenue it's cool <laughs> come, to, come to Albany I'll pack the place man yeah well and that may be the um, I'm not sure where I get to travel to exactly yeah Oh, so, that's right. How long? How long are you sort of uh, locked into place? I'm a, um, a year and a half. In New York State, or I don't know yet. Okay. I'm waiting to meet my latest probation officer and find out what the terms are. Mm-hmm. I think if it's if it's your kind of if it's your primary income, then there's a little I'm hoping there's a little flexibility with travel. Mm-hmm. You know, salesman. Get probated, right? My brother's <laughs> on probate, probation, and uh, as long as he checks in, you know, weekly, he does the check-in. Um, well, there's there's like virtual sort of check-ins now, right? That like they're like automated that you can check in. But um, I think as long as he keeps his primary resident residence in New York State and doesn't travel outside. Too much. I mean, I don't know if it's situational for each person, but I think as yeah. long as you meet your. So you can check in online. Is it just like unemployment? I think it's like it's a like... kiosk. Yeah, it's just like unemployment. It's like check in. I so think so. Yeah. Wow, heavy. Well, we'll see. I mean, it may be. You know, it may just be a kind of Troy Albany Ithaca kind of tour. <laughs> it's in the yeah. state, you know. Well, let's. Uh, I think if, if I think of three cities, that would. Uh, yeah. I was just going to say three cities that love music, but that's probably not. <laughs> I think three cities that love music, love live music. Um, yeah, Albany, yeah, try Albany. Set that up. No sweat. Art space shows. Well, yeah. We'll see. <laughs> art space, Miss Mary's art space. Art space, yeah, Miss Mary's art space. Hans just some. traveled. Uh, do we have to bring me up? And yeah. All right, so I traveled. I went to Virginia Beach. Took myself on a vacation. And I stayed at a, a Super 8 motel. When was this? A couple of... It was uh, last weekend. Yeah. Could you tell I was checking in to make sure you weren't going to kill yourself? All right, I just double-checked. Yeah. <laughs> you went alone to a motel in Virginia Beach. Yeah, dude just showed up in a motel. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm oh. in New York. I got fucked up. I had to, like, check in, text out. You all right? Episode, the episode before this one, I got really heavy on the subject of self-hatred and suicide. I had a sort of a revelatory thing in that I had, uh, had on a contemplated suicide on and off like uh, in a real way. Um, a decent amount 
of times in the past couple of years. And uh, so after, right after that, I bail to Virginia Beach and basically ghost. just yeah, I just ghost to Virginia Andrew's Beach, like, uh... like in the middle of, in the middle of the week. And Andrew's like, uh, "What the fuck are you up to?" Like I actually have the text. He's like, "What the fuck are you up to?" Because <laughs> I would just post pictures of like me watching TV in like a hotel room, like watching the Martin Show and just laying there all day watching TV. Once, a, once a random woman's head showed up in the picture, I'm like, "All right, we're good. That's fine. It's all set." But, <laughs> but it was, it was just, just like, like oh my god, artsy pictures, pictures of like the ocean and like an empty parking lot, and we're just like, "Uh." What? Everything was cool. No, I went down and uh, and. Hung out with some friends and saw a lady who's very nice, who who, who thinks I'm uh, way more attractive than I am. Which you, is well, first of all, you are very attractive. Oh my god, high right. praise! Thank you. Second of all, did you meet her in Virginia Beach, or was yeah, this a prearranged meeting? And this was a prearranged meeting. Well, I, I yeah, this was prearranged. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you knew you were going to be meeting somebody down there. Yeah. On this lost week, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was my. It was week. like, yeah, I was like, last week, um, and uh, yeah, she's she's was great, and uh, it was. I was very, I was a little down driving down there and everything. I just said, I just need uh, a week to just clear my head a little bit and uh, just go down. It was like the middle of the week. I just took a vacation week, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna go, and I got into checking out the cheapest motel I could find. And they booked me into like a room that's um, very scandalous. The room was the room was not good. The room was the room was uh, like the floor was all slippery from like some sort of fast food situation happening. Like the room they gave me the first time, the, bed, the garbage was overflowing with like 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 Mountain Dew bottles and shit like that. Like somebody, I've got the feeling that somebody had, had, this was still staying there. So I go, I go back downstairs. I'm like, okay, go back downstairs. Um, and uh, I'm like, hey, this room is this room's really not not where it's at. Uh, <laughs> and I, uh, I'm like, it's the off season. So do you have any like really nice rooms that I can maybe get an upgrade to for no more money than I'm paying for this room that I don't like? And the, <laughs> luckily, the girl who was working there was like probably just. The night, the night girl at the Super Eight in Virginia Beach. It's like I rolled in there about ten o'clock, and she's like, "Sure," and she gives me like the penthouse suite on the Super Eight. <laughs> so it was like balcony and like nice TV and like probably finally in the eighties it was probably like a real hopping spot, you know. But it was like it, it had some, you know, it was nice. So I had like a balcony and I just laid there for a while and a couple of days there for like a day and saw. So the girl who thinks I'm attractive, and then uh, uh, I just hung out. Kind of glossed over that last part. Yeah. I saw the girl who I thought was attractive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, no. We've spoken about this on another episode. Oh, no, no. I can talk about it. Oh, she's um, very sweet. And very sweet. Very nice. Clearly listening. No, whenever. And living in Virginia <laughs> Beach? Yeah, living in Virginia Beach. Well, what's going on there? That's Nothing. far away. No, it's a dump. Not much going on there at all. It's hey, like, listen, man. First, first uh, Jawbreaker's first sound dance with BB. Yeah, right. yeah. Cash Van. Okay. Oh, Think right. of that name. Cash Van. Cash Van. Cash Van. That's his real. That's government his real. Name. Wow. Christian name. <laughs> Sounds like a show on. He like drove a, like a maniac. It's awesome. We couldn't let him drive. You know those useless roadies that can't drive? Yeah. Like, no one can sleep when they're driving. <laughs> he was that. <laughs> 
but a, a stickler for details. That's great. Uh, you need a you need a, and a stickler for details and dummy checks and not, don't leave anything behind. We never had a roadie. No. We have people who would offer to come along with us because they think it'd be some sort of transformative experience to go on tour of the band, and then they find out we just like listened to Neil Young and like yeah. talked about like. Every time we've ever brought anybody, it was always like a bad experience. It was never like uh, it was. It was never chill. No, it was and always. That's it actually, always, that's kept going since you left. At, every time we bring people, it's always a fucking nightmare, no matter what. And now it's just becoming a thing where there's always somebody, which only, is one I, of the many reasons. I'm in reflection, anymore. in reflection on that, and uh, my whole experience, the only people that we ever got along with was us. Yeah, on tours. Listen, I'm going to take this opportunity to put this out to anyone who might be listening, who's going to go on tour with Self Defense Family. Go home. We don't want you. I, I know somebody invited you, but we don't want you in the van. Go home. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. That's it. I'm, I'm good. How many of you? Is it just the two of you that are the core? Like, can't tolerate anyone else, or how many? No, we were. Uh, I mean, no, we were. We take on all comers, but it would be like, you know, I mean, it, it was. Uh, uh, it was an insular group. Yeah, we were a pretty insular group, and we and we all lived in the same city at one point, and we would never talk except for. Except for practice, or if there were like had a record coming out, we had to like take a picture or something. But we were all like brothers. We all considered ourselves brothers, but we would never like. And I'd be like, "Hey, Andrew!" Like once in a while, we'd be like, "Hey, Andrew, let's go to the guitar store." Yeah, let's go to the mall. Let's go, let's go to the guitar mall. center. I need, some, I need sunglasses. Let's go to the mall. You know, or like I need to, I need to like emergency move out of this girl's house. Come, come help me move in your car. You know, but it was never like it was never like. Oh, bro, you know, let's play video games together. Like, oh, emergency. Man. Move. You know, I mean, it was never like it was. A, I think it was the key to our success because, like, uh, you know, although, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, we all had our shit going on. I was in school. I was in school. Pretty much, yeah. I was in school taking acting classes. That was great. Really dumb. What? Oh yeah, no, I took acting classes. So now we got to talk about you taking acting classes and being really into karate. I remember when you were in school for nutrition. Yeah, it's another thirty grand down the drain. It's awesome. I went to Sage, Sage the Sage Colleges for. Uh, I went to get my uh, degree in nutrition, obviously. In the hopes of being a nutritionist. Yeah, being a nutritionist, being a uh, registered something? dietitian in a hospital. Because uh, yeah. I was really into taking. But this was I suffer from um, bipolar two disorder, where I get very manic, and left untreated I just do shake like um, I'm between meds so I'll just like go to Virginia Beach no problem I'll fly to Seattle and quit the band no problem um, and it's, I totally rationalized in my head but um, I uh, I just was like I need to go to grad school and in after three weeks of, of wrangling I got into grad school I don't know how I just wrote <laughs> just wrote this this essay and Blah blah blah, and when I put my mind to it, I did it, and I said, oh, "I'm going to be a registered dietitian." And then, weirdly, I got on medication for it, and I said, "What am I doing? <laughs> oh my god, I'm in way over my head." I had never taken a nutrition class in my life, and I'm now taking graduate level nutrition classes. But the the, the head of the department, uh, you know, thought so I got good grades and everything else, you know, and uh, I was an English student, and I was like an honors English fellow or whatever, and. Um, uh, she's like, oh, well, you, you seem to be really, you know, you seem that you can handle this course. Do you want to do the channel? You're a career changer. We like those kind of people, whatever. So she let me in, but I, I didn't. I, I beefed it, like, big time. Like, awful. 
like Derek Jeter flying, like you know, <laughs> popping out in the end the game. Like it was like the worst. And uh, I, I'm paying off like a thirty thousand dollar loan because of it, because uh, of an illness, you know. And uh, I flunked right out. I was the worst. I didn't. I shit. I didn't understand. And it was moving so fast that I couldn't ever. I could never hack it. I don't. It's weird that you guys didn't know that. Um, well, I remember when I first started dating Andrew, or it was around then, that you were in, I had met you, and he kind of was like, oh yeah, he's going to school for this, and I was like, oh, so that's how I like was introduced yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah. So I was like... And you were like, wow, what am I doing with Andrew? And the house is really going places. Wow, well, that all changed You could teach me about my, my diet. <laughs> you, oh, you'd be, if you, if all that changed and you ended up dating me, you'd be in Albany, fucking, looking at my... Me with no shirt on, laying on a fucking mattress on the floor in Albany, New York, with two roommates. <laughs> Somewhere in the multiverse, that's yeah. happening. You know, I, I, I'm a big believer in the multiverse. Yeah. Can't wait. Get ready. If there's awesome. a wrinkle in time, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's. And Virginia Beach was fun. It was it was cool. I, I people in Virginia Beach driving off a lot. <clears throat> Like everything's like twenty minutes away, and I was got really cranky at one point. And I'm like a big baby when I'm cranky. It's all far away down there. Yeah, that's true in Chapel Hill too, in Raleigh. Yep, Everything everything's is. twenty minutes. Oh, Cat's Cradle, like Cat's Cradle to the burrito place where they buy you a free burrito. That's totally it. Or, yes. or, or Birmingham was the same way. Yeah. Oh come on, let's go. We're gonna hop in the car and yeah, go eat. We're getting on the highway. What are you talking about? Yeah, What's exactly. That? We're getting on a highway here. Like we're gonna miss the show. Oh no, it's fine. No, I'm like. I'm, and I'm, and I, I don't know, like you get that band vision where you have to stick around the venue, you know, when yeah. it's, about, it's time to play the show. And we're getting on the fucking highway. <laughs> I'm like, oh, we're gonna. I mean, it's like, uh, yeah, it's really weird, really scary. And then, but then it's fine. And you know, you play a triumphant show in front of thirty of your closest friends. Everything's fine. Where was the town where we got to the show way early, and the kids showed up in the window looking like the. Uh... This kid, we're in the van, and I'm looking down at, like, probably my, like, proto, like, Motorola Razor phone, and I hear you go, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, and this guy walks to the window looking like, um, the red-haired kid from Children of the Corn. That was, um... It was in, in Pennsylvania. East, Eastern Connecticut. Was it Connecticut? Oh, it was Connecticut, you're they, right. did the, they did the set of uh, Gigi Allen covers. Oh, can, we just, can we just all agree the weirdest state Oh yeah, Connecticut is super weird. Right? Yeah, I was there uh, two weeks ago with my mom, and we drove by. Well, the WWE, what is the WWE or WWF? Is the base over there? Same thing. Same thing. Yeah, yeah. We drove by the headquarters, and then we drove by like this really nice town. It's like everything is so weird, and it's all like mashed together. And then everybody that lives there is so weird, right? Yes. Like what? What's going on there? I don't know. I mean, I know they know they own an enormous portion of our wealth, <laughs> so they've got to be weird, right? I but, think they make an enormous portion yeah, of our so weaponry too. It's something that's really know. fucked up, like that. Yeah, they're the, the Trident subs are up there. Yeah, exactly. If you if you make a, a fucking like a an arming device for a warhead, chances are you do it in uh, Connecticut. Really? Yeah. There's a lot going on in that little state. Yeah. <laughs> One third of Jawbreaker is from that state, so I would, like we would always go and stay. The weird third. In Connecticut. Yeah. 
There's no, there's no normal. There's no third. normal. Third. The third that's no, the third that's full of shit. Suitably eclectic. Like, <laughs> yes. I used to. I lived. I grew up in Westchester County in New York, but Connecticut wasn't far from there. So I used to drive in high school. I used to drive to this record store there, which I forget the name of it now. In New Milford. I know that record store. <clears throat> I think I know that record store. Too. Wow. And that was the. I would just go drive there and drive home. And that's the only thing I ever went to Connecticut for. Records. What the and now my dad lives there, but I don't really hang out with him. But yeah, he lives there, which proves this is like the weirdest. There. Yeah, he's in Stamford. Even the names. It's so weird. <laughs> Stamford. Stamford. I until like last year I thought it was Stanford with an N. Oh, I have a great guys buckle up because I have a great New Haven story. Yeah, where's part two gonna go? Hmm? Part if we're indeed in part two, where? Well, Hans had a New Haven story that he was. Oh, that's right. Well, I dated a girl, my best girlfriend of all time, Maggie. So nice, so caring and loving, and I fucking blew it. And uh, it was the only woman. Yeah, it was really bad. (laughs) I just blew it hardcore. Like beautiful, going places, smart, long brown hair. Beautiful. Classically beautiful, rich family, it's all the shit. And I blew it, great time. Where's she at now? Fucking living a good life. Can we get her on Call Next Corner? I should get her on Call Next Corner. We do a segment called Call Next Corner. Yeah, I remember. Uh, Are you ever (laughs) willing to call? Uh, He he called his ex. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, did that not work out? What was the aftermath of that? (laughs) You can see I'm uh, (laughs) a discreet individual. All right, man. Well, I mean, I'm sorry if we... Uh, All the charm of Overnight Drive save really? the dragon. Well, I'm glad we weren't completely responsible for that. Were they the straw? Not at all. No, I thought that was a... I mean, I recently listened back, and I thought it was a pretty charming interlude. That's sweet. <laughs> I had high hopes for us. And then I woke up in 2015 and realized we were no longer talking. God damn it. So. Wow. Thanks again, Overnight you're, Drive. You're like hey, you're <laughs> You just you, splintered the universe. Yeah, but are you are you like a go are you a go backer or are you like hardcore like we're broken up? Fuck you! Like I'm gonna like delete you off Facebook. I'm gonna delete. I don't want to delete anybody, but uh, there's no way back from me. No. So you're like if I go backwards, I go to jail. So oh shit, I'm not going back. Oh wow, right on. Yeah. Okay. So the world deals on the world is wide open. Brooklyn is full of hot women. And also beautiful women. So what's the deal? I'm just taking some time for Blake. You know, <laughs> awesome. I want to figure out who this man is and like what what stories he has to tell and kind of process all that happened to me this year. Yeah. I'm not in a real hurry to get out there and well. meet somebody. I don't, I don't think I have enough ram. <laughs> take that take all that my <laughs> frontal work goes into just being me every day okay and trying to keep I, that I, I echo that sentiment over women it. love that though I know that's when they come a flocking yeah women love a, a, well, a damaged soldier we'll see you know? So words out. So in other words, so you yeah. expect a call from a thirsty podcast crowd any minute. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I can, you know, 
It's great. If it works for a schlub like me, it definitely works for you. So, we talked about this briefly. How many times have you gotten laid off the podcast now? Directly off the podcast. Directly off the podcast. <laughs> like, you you being with a woman is a direct result well, of you talking to a microphone with me. First one was awesome. So <laughs> then you blew it. No, I didn't blow it. We were just friends. And <laughs> first one was, oh, it's like, oh my God. Like, a woman who had zero business being with me. So beautiful and so hot. And here I am, fucking Haystacks Calhoun fucking going in. No, for me, I, awful. I, but great. So good. Oh. Still listening. Yeah. Oh, so right. so good. Hello, she's, out there. She's awesome. She, we're, we're, she's totally fun and cool. We still talk. But we both agreed it was like, all right, well, that was fun. That was fun, I guess. Um, uh, three times? No, four. Four. Respect four times. Four times. Just for me talking. Just for, should, someone hit me up. Shit. Like, hey, you're, you're funny and I think you're cool. Chicks yep. love it when you bear your soul, you know? Mm-hmm. You gotta bear it all. Do you? Do all I, personally? <laughs> yes, you. I probably bear it the least. You are the secret person on this podcast. Anyway. Yeah, how many times have you gotten laid on the podcast? I mean... Ah! We don't count anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know... Actually, the last time that we got together and you guys all talked about your personal 9-11s kind of made me confront some things. Really? <laughs> right, yeah. That I never talked about on here, but... Holy moly. Um, yeah, I, I confronted the fact that I was in an abusive relationship in the past. Wow. And it was something that we talked about really briefly and touched on, but I wasn't really like ready to talk about it, and... It kind of like spurred me to confront it and like realize that it happened, and I think it was really a good thing. It's a growth actually. episode. It was a growth up. It was like, wow. uh, yeah, spurred some stuff. Yeah, well, that's the beauty of the drive. I think it actually does. It has a reach that not everybody realizes. Oh, <laughs> cats realize it. Thousands of dollars nice of damage. Several nice dollars later. <laughs> this one's silver dollar. Um, Here comes Mama. She's like, what is going on? Look, Gabby, that's kind of awesome, actually. I had no idea. You know, it's fucking like... She goes through this whole thing. And, like, has, like, a night awake and, like, really thinking on it. Like, it was at night. that You were, like, awake late. Like, mm-hmm. wrote this dude a really intense email. Like, really confronted a bunch of shit. And then wakes me up at two in the morning and be like, hey, so, uh, you know, I just did all this. And fucking stupid me, I'm like, oh, it's cool. All right. Good night. You know, just like yeah. fucking no. like stupid asshole Nate. Like, no, oh, you were super me. nice okay. about it. Like, it was just something was... that I, you know, I don't like open up a lot about that, like, stuff that's been hard for me, you know, and it, it made me realize, like, Oh yeah, if there was like one pivotal moment, like one horrible thing that happened to me, that was it. And I never talked about it or dealt with it or like talked to that person even about it, you know? So it was uh, very cathartic. That is, I mean, you're right. That's kind of what the drive's about. That is what the drive's about. I've, I'd like to think. I've had so much yeah. catharsis doing this. I mean, I, Andrew, 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 it was like, you know, it was like that, that thing in the, that, that scene in uh, Spinal Tap where... 
you know, he comes back and he's like, hey, I want to play again, but it was like, it wasn't like that at all. I like left the band and I was like completely, I was on the skids, man. It was so awful. Playing on drugs, taking pills and fucking drinking all the time and living, living in a friend's spare room for no money. Like just crashing there and he hated my ass. And Andrew comes through the podcast idea and I'm like, cool. And then he meets this actual mess. <laughs> like comes over and records me. I was an actual broken down, not the dude you remember. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I found that episode today. Actually, this morning I woke up early. We're trying to fix our computer, and I had to like pull all my shit off there. And uh, the first, like the not even the edited version, but like just the first recording was uh, was still on there. Pretty dark. Has uh, has, so has some some dark interludes to it. So episode one. Episode one. Episode one uh, apparently no longer available on uh, iTunes, but I'm gonna put it up on OvernightDrive.com. I'll just put up a direct link. So if for some reason you're hurting for the first like three episodes, just bear with me. I'll have that up in a couple days. I don't know how we're gonna do it after that because every episode we do yeah. have another one go. I said, well, to figure something out. I don't we'll know. I don't, I don't know how people Good with like 700 episodes do this shit, but we'll make it work. Is there a limit on the number of podcasts you can produce? Um, no. no, they'll just delete from the beginning on iTunes. But they don't even delete; they just um, don't carry that link. So it's still there. I can just put up a different link, and people can download it. But nice. iTunes will only do, I think, a hundred of them. It'll just cycle through the most, most recent hundred. Um, but no, there's no real limit down there. I could do one a day for some reason. I felt like beating myself up like that. Um, yeah. This is my favorite song on this album. It's mine too. Is it? And you know what else? It's a good I'm bipolar yeah. too. For real? For real. I think I got my meds dialed in right now. Story. Had a lot to do with me being a joke. Alright. That makes any sense. I feel you. No, it's. Spectrum. It's, you know, that's been responsible for a lot of destructive things in my life as well. And I totally understand. What's that, dear? Oh. We we just we we did the fat we did it was like a, a, we a did stealth the, bond we did the most zero to sixty bonding moment ever right I'm like this I is my slip it on the right. side of the podcast I'm like this is my favorite Dio song and he's like mine too and I'm bipolar as well <laughs> zoom Pennies. and no but honestly like um, I'm good thank you Gabriella. Oh, thank you. Is it Gabrielle? Gabriella. Gabriella. Double like, L A. Is like the nickname. Yeah. I, I've read that. I've read that. <laughs> yeah, that's like a website. What my family has always called me. I guess it's more a common nickname for Longer. that name in oh, Italian. Sorry, it's is like that an alien soundtrack Gabri? I see over there. Yeah, that is the alien soundtrack. That's so I got funny. it on 420 Day at um. Generation Records. I was in, uh, I was at my old job. Favorite soundtrack. Uh, one of my last days, and a guy came in to try out speakers. And they go in the back room, and they start playing this really haunting music. And I'm like, yo, what is this old ass man playing that's so, like, engaging? And I look in, and I see the alien logo on the screen. I'm like, oh, he's playing the fucking alien soundtrack. It's amazing. It's so good. It's really good. Jerry Goldsmith. Super good. He did some really crucial. Soundtrack work like I often find films of this era. Yeah, oh god, yeah. The end of the score, and you're like, oh, it's Jerry Goldsmith. A couple of those those veterans are like the real deal, you know. Plus, I mean, 
<laughs> it's just it's just perfect. <laughs> we keep coming back to Alien on this podcast. Yeah. Did you ever ask that that girl if she thinks that Aliens is better than Alien? No. Ask that. That's, that's how you vet somebody. That's true. Aliens is better than Alien. No, it's goddamn not. No, that no, should no. be uh, no, no. the line on your on your Tinder. Yeah, that's actually oh, what you wow. okay, Change that ship right now. Okay. Do you think I had alien a really is better good than Tinder aliens? session today. Alien or aliens? Alien is superior to aliens, and I still say that Alien Three is also superior to aliens. You say three is superior. What is it about the third three? movie? Well, three is not a good movie. It's all fucked up. Um. But it's it's fucked up to the point where I find it endearing. It becomes like Apocalypse Now, where I'm just like, oh, this is just a fucking mess. It's incredible. I love it. Uh, Aliens is just like, whatever. It's just an action movie. It's just fine. It's okay. It's not bad, but yeah. I, I like one and three. three. I mean, three is just dark. Three is like yeah. dark shit. When I was in Virginia Beach, I watched Robocop 3. And, uh, not as good. But it's... Not, is that the one where he flies? It's not awful. No, no, no. That, this is the one where the post-apocalyptic, like Erwin, the Erwin Rommel character comes in and like, t- like tries to take over uh, the the city, like the, the final rem uh, remnants yeah. of the city. And that uh, yeah, was good. It's really good. Robocop three. Says X Men three is the only good third movie. No, X Men three sucked. X Men two was the good one. Never seen it. So the third movie always sucks. No, because Die Hard three was vastly superior to Die Hard two. Superman three. Superman three is the best movie best ever. Movie. But that's you yeah. know I think Superman <laughs> one and two are fucking lame garbage. So, what? Superman you know, two was great. That's when he gets all drunk. No, that's three. Oh, that's three. three when he gets drunk. He melts the fucking one, bar window, the bar mirror. So one, good. one thing that I run into with um, when I try to date women is that I I'm, I don't know a lot about movies. Like my idea of a good movies, like Robocop Three, or like, but I, I usually date women who are like ten years younger than me, so they're like, oh, you know, blah blah blah, and knowing this guy was in blah blah blah, Trailer Park, blah blah blah, and I'm like, Trailer Park, blah, blah. you know, like, and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, and it becomes a, a point of like annoyance with me, where I'm like, I don't know what movie you're talking about. The last movie I saw in the theater was Michael Jackson's This Is It, and uh, that's it. I mean, because I got free passes. I went with my friend Victoria. It was great. And uh, I, I just I, I don't know. I, I know it's almost like a defiant thing now where I won't watch movies. But the movies I like are like really bad Skinamax movies. We watched Summer Job before we came here. Great movie. And like and Summer Job, so good. Summer Job. Yeah, we tried to watch um, Weekend at Bernie's. Remember that? Yeah, I remember it. Yeah. And I, I, I don't just... remember liking it. <laughs> is it. Is it funny? Yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was a great movie. Um, yeah, I just don't know a lot about movies. I just don't. That's cool. I don't really either. Andrew does. Andrew loves movies. I do. Are you a movie buff? I, I feel like I know the movies that I like really well. And I watch them over and over again. What's your genre? Um, I think science fiction and horror. Mostly horror. And like early horror. Yeah. Like and then just kind of weirdo... Like car movies, or I like kind of road movies. I'll wear a yeah, car movie. Yeah, I think movies. you guys yeah. have a lot in common. There's, there's so many of them that are just like these offbeat American movies about outlaws on the road. And Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry, yeah, like fucking totally. shit's so good. All those, uh, I just think they're great. Hitcher. Hitcher, fantastic movie. Hitcher is great. Hitcher, the duel, fucking double feature is like my dream. Duel is great. Duel is fantastic. One of my favorites. You know what I've been looking for is that movie, The Car. 
Yes. Remember that it was like a seventies horror movie about a, a, a possessed black Cadillac. No. It was out in the Southwest, and it would just like run people down. Yeah. I saw it in the theater. I'm on the case. Kid. Yeah, get on that because if you if you like that, you'll love Killdozer. You ever see Killdozer? No. Killdozer is about okay. These guys are in like. I don't know, like Libya, like uh, Dubai or something like that. And there is a, it's supposed to be there in the, the Middle East. The dialogue is great. The actors are awesome. All these John Wayne types, you know. Whoa, whoa. But the problem is, on the work site, a bulldozer becomes completely possessed and keeps killing people. <laughs> I'm serious. I hate when that happens. And I think it's a great movie. And I used to use it as like an icebreaker. It'd be like, oh, second, third date, you're going to come up and watch a movie. Awesome. And it would never work. It would never like they would never like it. Killdozer didn't get them hot. No, I mean I wouldn't rely on a movie to get them hot, but it would be. I, I thought it was, I, but the pro, I think the problem was that I was actually into the movie. You're like, shh, 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 I gotta watch this scene. Wow, <laughs> kind of. I was just kind of like, yeah, that's so weird. It's a hard thing to watch with another person. I think to watch a movie if you already know it because you you really um, generate a lot of expectation for that. person. Oh yeah, you project like, on them. You're like, with this part, this part. <laughs> Yeah. And, you yeah. want, and you want them to be like, oh, this is... Oh, and then they're like, they're super bored and just want to go home. Yeah. Um, so, I, all right, I just found a review of the car on Reddit, with, which has maybe my favorite paragraph ever. It, in parts, plays like a TV movie, but I liked how they didn't go to some shaman-slash-mystic-negro-type character to explain why to the audience. The car just is, and you're never meant to understand the why... <laughs> I think they flirt with some Indian mysticism, and the car more or less shits on that effort. It's a really pretty incredible fucking paragraph right there. <laughs> Jesus. There is a burial ground in that movie. I remember that. The car can't go into the cemetery. Of course. So there, there is... I will find this shit. Oh, man. This is such a good fucking soundtrack. Cat's about to have, to have its way on the soundtrack. <clears throat> Whoa, buddy. I love there's just cats here. It's so cool. I love cats so much. God. I think you need to get a cat. Yeah. Go move down here and get a cat. That's problem solved. Yeah, move down here and get a cat. Move to Kansas. Yeah? Why Kansas? It's so easy. Because it's, it's not that expensive yet. Yeah. It's right down the road over here. Yeah, we can, we can hang. We can in the 218? Yeah, just walk over, bring your gig bag, you know. With a picture of me and... <laughs> I have some pictures of me with fan. Bring a Voivod record. Yeah, I really <laughs> would, though. That's a thing. <laughs> I'd be like, you want to listen to Voivod today? Yeah, cool. Come on over. <laughs> Just don't bring Doomsday for the Deceiver, dude. I like that record. I don't know that record. No, I don't think that's. I don't think that's a Voivod record. I, I just kind of made that up. Um, so yeah, no, I love. I love. I, so, how deep into old metal do you get? I don't. I don't go that deep. I, I only liked some LA bands. I kind of renounced punk in high school. Sure. Cats currently, the cat's currently uh, mixing and scratching records, which is perfect. I'm curious if this is going to be the most engaging episode we've done or the least. I, I don't think there's, uh, there's a way. We, this will never this be. Point, this yeah. Point, this is all the cat right now.
books cut is currently. Uh, oh. Oh, oh shit! <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> okay, that's it. All right. Well, well, he's got I'm... currently flunked at Digio. <laughs> you did not get the job. No. That's wild. You're not going to DJ club uh, out in Brighton Beach t- tomorrow night. <laughs> Clearly, though, he's responding to Jerry Goldsmith. Yeah, that was very strange that the cast... The drama is there. Yeah, the cat, like... (laughs) This is straight lunacy. This is kind of... I can't believe I'm watching this right now. (laughs) Cats are really cool. Doesn't like the music? Oh, it's at the stop. The cat survives an alien, doesn't it? Yeah, true. Good, great point. Uh oh. You're, you're heading into you're heading into needle damage. Uh, Jesus, perfectly timed. Oh, it's a kid koala, man. <laughs> serious wow. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, if the motor was stronger, it would just go around in a circle. (laughs) For those at home, do I keep this in the podcast or do I edit this out? I'm going to do. do. For those at home, Blake's cat is currently DJing, and this is wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Safe. It is solely my favorite record. (laughs) That's how much I love this little guy. Yeah, this might be the most beguiling episode yet. I don't know what I'm doing. For hardcore fans online. What's that? Yeah, what do people give you like negative feedback on shows? No, well, people some people some people give us like negative feedback or some people are just shit talkers. Or some people are like like the other day I'd defend Gabriel's honor because they said that Gabriel's voice, uh Tasty Corner is no good and Gabriel's voice and I said you should fucking I hope I told them that I hope they die in their sleep. That's what I said. I told them that I hope they die in their sleep. Yeah. So Gabriel's Gabriel's a good friend of mine, so I hope you die in their sleep. So you shut down the, the hatred. Yeah, I tend to shut down hatred with very broad strokes. Like, sound somebody, I hope you die in your sleep. It's like pretty mean. You know? I hope you die in your sleep tonight. Tonight? I, I like the tonight modifier. <laughs> yeah. I hope you die in your sleep tonight. Or, uh, clearly you're a self cutter, so you should up that regimen, you know, until you die. You know, like that kind of shit. You know? Right. Somewhere where we're out there in that topsy-turvy world of the internet. Like, I can't imagine being on that stage, you know? I, I do a little bit from my own music background, but... Well, we have a... It's like your show that you produce, and people just say whatever they want. I would imagine that would be... You're anonymous, so you're basically, like... What's the thing? You're not real, We get know? most of these... Most of the hatred comes from Tumblr comments, which are anonymous. Um... 
these are people who are either fans or like grudging fans, or, or who had listened once and don't like what we said or something like that. But we have a uh, we have a corner of the internet on Facebook called the Overnight Drive Friend Zone, who, which you, you of course you're invited to join. The, well, I'm in the friend zone. You are. Oh, I mean, you're quiet. Well, I, I look at it. You're friend zone lurker. Okay. Well, um, then I'm, you're good. I just don't know the rules. You can write whatever you want. There are no, the first no rules. There are no like rules. The, what I see going on in the friend zone. No it's, rules. It seems friendly. There's no it rules. No rules. Just right. Yeah. Honestly, just like Outback Steakhouse. You can. Is that how it goes when you go to Outback? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, oh. yeah. You're really? No, no rules in Outback. Honestly, you're uh, uh, definitely post comment. Uh, <laughs> and that goes for everybody out there. And of course, Blake, it goes for everybody else out there. Um, supposed to have fun. Don't worry about it. I told, people have told me, like, like, I've talked to a lot of people who just lurk and they're afraid to. Because everybody in there is pretty funny and pretty f- cool and pretty fun. You know, they have a good lively bunch there, you know. And they say, oh, it's intimidating because everybody's so funny. And it's like, yeah, oh, funny. Yeah, but it's like don't, don't, don't be scared. Just join in, jump in, jump in and get a taste. Well, that's now that's what you all do that I find so intriguing. Is like you're very fast and funny, but there's this emotional core to it that's like pretty intense. Yeah, like I could talk about like, oh yeah, that like, one, the first time I ever got laid, and then like ten seconds later, I'll talk about wanting to commit suicide. <laughs> like it's all like, yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate. So that. I would think it'd be hard to find it. Yeah. An audience, although I imagine there, there's only an audience for something like that. We, uh, yeah, yeah, we've, we've found a, we have a decent amount of listeners, and we found a lot of people who are as warped as we are. I mean, listen, if you have haters, then you've made it, right? Sure. They hate. In my opinion, like if you yeah. have a hater, then there's something to hate. They there's hate. like you, you're an entity enough. That's a thing to with warrant this, like a reaction when. When people tell me like, "Oh, I like you know, I like the podcast," or "I like what you do," I'm like, "All right, cool." You know, that's not, nice. Like, I don't really give it much thought, so I can't give any more thought to people who say they hate it. You know, like it doesn't make any sense. Like, it, it's it's a balancing act like that. So if I if I sit there and I, I take people's like weird criticisms to heart, that means that I have to like take like empty praise to heart. It's just it's just there's no point in doing either one. It doesn't doesn't fulfill me at all. So yeah, I don't know. I I, I I you to tell me that there was somebody uh, getting like getting wound up on the internet. I just I, I don't I never notice when these things happen until like way later. Uh, you can see his stripes, but you know he's clean. Basically, is what we're trying to say. Uh, you look at the lyrics. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I looked it up. Yeah. Oh man, these cats and he's, are then, really he, going then he says, "Oh, don't you see what I mean?" It's like. I'm trying. I'm <laughs> really like, for on, 30 years. I'm, I'm trying. trying to see what you mean. I'm trying. My friend, uh, my friend Scott Cazillo from high school, his father worked at the Civic Center, and uh, they used to all get beard up and uh, shit housed like while working the working the hockey games and stuff. And one night, Dio played at the Civic Center, Blunt's Falls, and uh, Scott Cazillo's father. <laughs> Uh, put his leg out and tripped Dio. <laughs> no way! <laughs> and Dio got in his face. It was great. It was a great story. And it's like this old dude telling the story. It was awesome because everybody hated Dio at the time. If you see uh, Jim McNaughton running around, uh, ask him about the, when he worked at, I think he worked in uh, Middletown at the Civic Center or some shit like that. Oh, Middletown Civic Center. And, I Stole all of Kerry King's picks out of their fake guitar cabinet that Slayer played. <laughs> you know what, Justin Loud, I used to work at a t shirt place. Like, we made t shirts for like bands on like Thursday and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, uh, that might have been the same show because they sent uh, me and this guy, Justin Loudon, 
to uh, go to the Mid Hudson Civic Center and get merch money from Hatebreed, who was opening for Slayer. And the dude who we were supposed to ask money from had a nine millimeter and a shoulder holster. And we're like, nah. We're just we just went to Everetti like, Diner. That's, that's a no. <laughs> so we just went to the Everetti Diner, uh, like right outside of Poughkeepsie, and we're like, yeah, nah. Like call our boss, uh, and we're like, yeah, nah. I didn't get any money. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Because we don't want this dude shooting us. He was like, yeah, I got a million fires going right now, bro. Yeah, selling t-shirts and shit. I love how, like, nobody ever paid them back. No. It was just crazy how much fucking money people owed that print shop. It's amazing. So good. Well. Cats are really going for it over here. That's their little uh, nursing station. That's their spot. That's their blanket. I'm sorry, guys. I'm going out of your way. I love, I love, love cats. Mary, Mary, and Alex. So Mary's on the right. She's totally the powerhouse of this, this trinity. Of course. Somehow she just runs it. Like it's it's really wild. <laughs> She's scrappy. I like that. I respect that. Yeah. She is scrappy. I'm scrappy. I'm scrappy, dude. Having always been the littlest one in the bunch, I can oh. respect a, a little fireball like that. I've always been the biggest really one in the bunch. seems like the other cats follow her lead. It's awesome. Like, Sully, the elder, watches her, and they, they get really close. And then Alex is kind of the buffoon, you know. Of course. It's just like great, doing great DJ, though. Stunts. Yeah, killer DJ. Awesome. No, I was thinking more like a, like a noise project. Yeah. She's going to be at Laban next weekend. Follow her set Poor on man. Instagram. Poisson Rouge. <laughs> Laban. will be laying down some new material. <laughs> Running on a gigantic vinyl record with a big needle. <laughs> be awesome. Yeah, Harder They Come. Classic record. My favorite. This is my favorite record of all time. For real? Great. I think so. This is the one I always go back to. I grew up with this album. Awesome. My dad played it all the time. So. But what a collection of hits. One after the other. Let's keep coming. Yeah. Seriously. It's like everybody says comp, but it's just an album. It's like those are the best kind of albums. You're just, every song you're like, oh no, this is my favorite. No, this is my favorite. It's perfect. But there was uh, a guy I worked with from Brazil who, uh, I don't know why, we started talking about Led Zeppelin. He's like, I don't think I've ever heard them. And I'm like, yeah, you fucking have. Like, this dude, like, thinks no use for a name is, like, the end-all and be-all of music. He's, he's no frame of reference at all. So I'm like, all right. And I put on Zeppelin Four. He's like, oh, wait, I think I heard this one. Oh, wait, I think I heard this one. Oh, wait, I think... I'm like, yeah, you heard this whole fucking record. I swear to God, you have. Just, I, I promise you, you have. Houses of the Holy. That's one. <laughs> really good. I had to get Andrew into Led Zeppelin. He didn't like them before we started dating. That is true. What? So of course he didn't. He liked a fucking outbreak. Before. <laughs> 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 and, uh, what's the band of the Demar I see? Yeah, discharge. Discharge. Discharge, yeah. Yes, I believe. Yeah. It was great. You know that, um. <clears throat> The was last the time I was ever in a mosh pit was at the, the cover guy? show and they did Discharge. Who's the guy? So you came of musical age, like at that moment of hardcore. Like, oh yeah, yeah. like wow. yeah, it was a punk hardcore. When I was yeah. when I was like a shaved head mosh mosh bro, like who thought like you know oh yeah gonna, he was Mr. Fucking Land. He borrowed my bass amp one time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was total 
Total, uh, total different worlds. You had a dreadhawk. Sure did. Hated them. A, a what hawk? A dreadhawk. Dread, like a dreadlock. Yep. Mohawk. Yeah. Straight through here. Wow. And we hate. Uh, uh, me and my bros hate. Didn't like him because we didn't understand him. That's how it was in, you know, in Jawbreaker. Yeah. Adam and I were like L.A. punks in New York for the first time when we went to NYU, and we like advertised to find a bass player, and we'd seen Chris, who was like a total Connecticut, by the way, oh, Middletown, but he had like a he had orange dreads, like short dreads, and an abrasive wheels, like. Oh yeah, jacket with spikes, <laughs> all kinds of bands written on it, and we were just like, "That guy is such a fucking poser." <laughs> and then, yep, he he created the ad that we responded to. Like he he made this beautifully illustrated flyer and put it up in a dorm with like little phone numbers on it. Wow. Tore off the phone number and I called the number because we like the influences. And it's that fucking dude. And it was him. We're like, oh my god, it's him. <laughs> what do we do now? Yes. The rest, is, the rest is history. Where are those dudes at now? Where did they land? They're, well, Chris is in, in Olympia and Adam's in San Francisco. Oh, Olympia. Spent some time in Olympia. Spent some time in Olympia. <laughs> yeah, rough fight, a couple of battles in Olympia. Yes. I, was, I crashed at a, a short story I crashed at. Uh, Evergreen State College dorms for like two months. Evergreen? Yeah. Just like chilling with, chilling with like hot, hairy girls. And uh, it was awesome. Total, I went there, I entered a mosh bro and I exited a, a man. A worldly man who was some very awesome, positive thinking, beautiful feminist women took pity on and took me under their fucking wing. And then... I got busted getting like sneaking food out of the, the dining hall, and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and word got around that I was. I mean, everybody knew I was staying there, but I didn't go to school there. You know, so crashing, and then uh, Washington State Trooper gotta go. So he took me and drove me to downtown Olympia, and I, my young idiot ass, got a got on the bus and took it back to my hometown. <laughs> that was it. It was so weird. Too. I remember the the morning, the Monday after I got back. I was in my hometown, just like sitting on a bench downtown. And I was like, I experienced, I experienced a lick of culture for a moment, and now I'm back in my population 1,200 or 12,000 town with people who have no idea what like nothing. I was just like, like my head was yeah. spinning. It was wild. It's, it's a very pure place. Love it. Pure, a lot of purity there. A picture of Eric Busta is the most stressful picture I've ever seen in my life. Of him trying to change, yep. like the doghouse or like something underneath the doghouse in the van in Olympia. Look, like it is. I wish I still had it. Dude. He, it looks like one of those photos from war where you're just like, oh, these guys saw some shit. Like him turning around all sweaty, trying to find like a ratchet or something. Man, it's, we played it's a, a show. brutal photo. Uh, this, we played a sh- uh, that was in Spokane, where the fix got us to Olympia. No, it was Olympia that we took the picture in. Yeah, because we broke down to Spokane, but it was Olympia where we took the picture right before we went to that uh, 
that service center and actually got the fix. That was where that, that final spot okay. right there. Okay, all right, all right. Oh, yeah, because we had to walk down to the garage and beg them for a soccer match. And Jeff walked three miles to get a pillow and walked three miles back, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then lost his salmon in the van. Yeah, this, this is a perfect example good. of a friend coming on the tour. Oh, and that's right. This is our drummer, who was the best drummer on the East Coast, no question. And, and anybody, anybody who fucking wants to dispute me can get a muscle sandwich. Eric was the best. Eric was the Eric, he's not dead. He's the best. He is the best. <laughs> Eric is the best. Eric, but playing with him was like, when you play the drummer and he's a little off and it throws you off completely. I hate that. And he was this human metronome and played so tastefully and wonderfully and a great drummer and awesome. Miss and, him literally daily. Every yeah, time I pick up an intro, I miss that dude. Listen, and he, he got a really great job for like six figures a year and he's like, you want me to ride in a van? <laughs> you want me to cross the country in a van? Fuck you. So he promptly got a good job and made a family, and good for him. Um, and uh, I really good. And uh, but he brought this friend along who was uh, a little green, a little, little wet behind the ears, and we gave him the... Uh, Give him the Steppenwolf treatment, <laughs> basically. <laughs> We're just like this was mid tour. We had just made it to Seattle, drove to Olympia, and he's like, "Hey, dude!" And he like thought like he's like they went with went to this place called Rochester, uh, our um, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. And he woke up. We all woke up one morning because we slept in the van, and uh, <clears throat> and I was like, and he's like. I can't believe two RPI grads just slept in a van. And we were like, fucking kill this guy. He's going to ride with us. California, die, die, <laughs> die, die, die. We're all like, it was really, uh, really bad. Was he bad. doing anything for you? No. So no, no, no but we were giving him a lift back. Just, he was just going. He was just somebody. along for the ride. And we tried to press him to take a couple pictures, but he joined us on stage to take photos. Like, the best part of the band. I don't no, remember we, that thing. Yeah, I, I, was in, I was in Olympia. But he was friends with the, the best drummer. drummer on the East Coast. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah. The only yeah. real memory I have of that situation was when we were taking that drive from doing Seattle to San Francisco, and he had that meltdown in the middle of the night, and we just, like, we both just went to straight asshole gear. We were like, oh, fuck, we can drive another 12 hours, man, I'm good to go. Like, this yeah. is nothing. It's great. <laughs> Poor bastards, like, having a real moment back there, no sympathy whatsoever. Couldn't we're just know. like, nah, man, we're all good. We got another three and a half hours. Fucking get comfortable, dickhead. Yeah, it was like 1130, and uh, we didn't realize we were driving straight through to L.A. Yeah, from was... Olympia. And he's like, we, we, we're not stopping? I was like, we're like no, we're going to drive yeah. straight through. We got a place to stay in the morning. <laughs> and he's like, oh, you like went to crisis mode? <laughs> it was great. <laughs> We're like, dude, like uh, this is it, and he wanted to, he wanted to jump and get a taste. This is it. We're, we got a place to stay for free. Like in retrospect, I feel real bad about that, but yeah. at the time it was just like it was, yeah. it was like a zero sympathy situation. We were, like I got my big diet coke. I was good. Yeah, that was it. That was that got the set. combos. Got the big diet coke. <laughs> you can't see Mount Hood because it's dark, so yeah. it's just a settle in. No, it was yeah. That was like Steppenwolf. Who, who stole the rent money situation? You know, like really bad. <laughs> You, I worry sometimes that there there aren't actually bands like that, like driving around right now. No, definitely not. Do you think not? Well, I, not as much for I, sure. I, I think we were, I couple, think we were on the very tail end of that. Get in a van and go play that like semicircle or that circle around your hometown until you get traction. Keep playing, make some contacts, and then like drive for your first faraway show, and then you, you, people show up and they know the songs, and then you're like, you got it, you catch on. 
and you keep going, and then you finally are able to play. That's not that is our kind of replaced with internet schmoozing. More or less, yeah. You know? so like like, like yeah. playing in front of a cold crowd who has a thing has their arms crossed and hate you because they don't know you. That shit's kind of gone, I think. Now it's internet. Now I mean I'm not blaming the internet. The internet's great, you know, whatever. But I'm thinking that that is definitely gone as far as being a band who like because we showed up to some crowds and they were like they you for, until the first two songs because we were pretty good you know we were pretty good band. and the first couple songs like before the first couple songs they were like they were just like like being in a basement full of like people who are watching you but also don't like you which is so weird to me because you could be anywhere else on earth at that moment but you chose to come downstairs and vibe us because you don't like us um, but that I don't think because that's there's a Why lot are of, they there though? Like, were they told to be well, there? Well, there's, there's, the there's a whole kind of notion of like showing face for certain band members or certain people, or like it's good to show face for the person that's putting the show on. You know, it's very weird. Like, there's a whole notion of showing face. There's a whole notion of being at the show because you want to be seen at the show. And it doesn't not so much in my hometown, but in other towns. And, and there's definitely like a, a big time air of like it, it, there's a lot of internet schmoozing that goes on. Like, you have to be like down. Somebody or to, or want to like, but not really down. Just like internet down. You know what I mean? It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird yeah. to me. And, and that's it's been like that. Like there's there's that whole notion of profession being a professional hardcore dude, which we got a little bit of a taste of. But yeah, I know we got a little bit of a taste. Of, and these are people like and, and these are people who are like schmoozing with bands, and none of the bands are elevating the medium at all. They're just cookie cutter. It's like a GM plan. It's like, oh, we have the 1990. Oh, we yeah, have exactly. the, the 2015 hardcore is out. Oh, it's much wow, it has, has it has leather trim. Great. No, it's like exactly the same thing. But people, because it's because you have to because there's a certain person in that band who can get you can advance your band somehow, or or even you want to just be friends with, or it's not just like talking. You won't talk. You have to go to. You have to like show face, or you're like, oh. But even it goes even further than that, where you're like, oh, or I can get. Yeah, you know, like you've, your band's played what six shows? Oh, I'll get you, uh, I'll get you a Scion deal, and then you can play this festival, and I'll get you some Scion money, or I'll get you some, you know, because like every band you do is is much easier because you've schmoozed so much that you know, like basically, you can get to the point where I can start a band in a basement, write five songs, someone will put it out, um, and I've never played a show, and people will already be hyped for it. You know what I mean? And that's so weird because I come from we 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 fucking played fucking Newark, Delaware, and more times than I can think of before anybody gave a shit about it. And now it's like I don't know second what second scariest state in America. Yeah, <laughs> holy And I think I'm a weird Delaware. way. I mean, I don't even what is this is credit cards <laughs> so and J Tree and <laughs> J Tree, of course. I remember my, I my alma mater. Yeah, I, I sent our yeah. demo to J Tree. They never said anything. Is that right? Yeah. Never liked it. My man gets J Tree checks uh, fairly often. Twenty five cents, forty five cents. It's, 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 it's he gets some good royalties. Um, yeah, no, it's one of those things. Like I, there's no point where I like I say this where I don't understand. I seem like a very like out of touch old man, but like there is like zero patience at all in that sort of thing. Like it used to just be a game of patience. That was it. You would just yeah. get better at your craft and do it a little better each time, a little better each time, and eventually things started to work out and now like 
this dude we were talking about earlier, who's I'll I, I want to put on blast so bad and call by name, but I guess I'll I'll be like a fucking. <laughs> I still share a city with him. Yeah, right? like I'll just be like a reasonable person and not do it. Like you know, like stop stop doing backdoor music stuff. Just get better at playing music. Don't yeah. don't like don't constantly knock on the back door and ask for favors for things. It's real gross. That's the thing. And it's you have to elevate the medium to the point where people stop and take notice. And that's the only Wouldn't way. Wouldn't you feel so happy but to elevate the medium the... for for millions of people? Wouldn't it be like yeah. a dream to do that sort of thing instead of just play the same fucking thing over and over or, again? Or you get it's the sound of getting into a room and saying, "I want to sound like this band." Yeah. Oh god. Oh Instead God. of going into a room and vibing with each other as friends and playing music that's slightly derivative of your musical influences and being like, all right, we're punks, so let's fucking like what we did, you know? Like, get in a room and like I listened to at the time we started getting like shows. I listened to fucking Foreigner all the time. I was re- I worked at a record store and I was really into Foreigner. And like so when we got into a room, it was like, all right, well, let's just start writing. And it was like we don't want to sound like. You know, Power Boys, or we don't want to sound like what, whatever fucking pop punk band is fucking coming through town. We just want to sound like uh, like five dudes who like like each other. Is that so weird? You know, and, and instead it's like, well, we got to sound like a band that's fucking sounds like this and Corrosive Christ and whatever else. And, and and it's like very easy to do that derivative shit. But it's kind of like guys were on blast too, like for a long time, like people. We're dicks about... Yeah, of course. Like, you know? Well, locally, I mean, it's, yeah. we got we got signed back-to-back to big, big hardcore labels, you know? And Revelation and Deathwish. And people couldn't figure out why. And it was like, well, because we just did our own thing, you know? We, we didn't try to be, like... We didn't, I don't think we schmoozed that much. We were just we were just on, you know, we, we, we put out a good product, I guess. For the, for the time, you know, it was weird. It was 10 years ago. It was weird. Did you have a similar experience, or did you kind of, like, come up against people in your local scene who were dismissive or shitty about what you were trying to do? Uh, I don't, I don't really know. I think... Well, the jump to Jets had to be, like... like... That was a nightmare. <laughs> Tell us about that. Like, that was really why, why was that a nightmare? They were, people were just so mean to... That's kind yeah. of Brazil. They wanted you to be like jawbreaker, jawbreaker always. And yeah, it was just like a really thankless job, I think, for the other guys in that band. Yeah, they would come out. We were really excited about our music. Like mm-hmm. we had created this new band. We had a, I, I think I can safely say a good set of songs mm-hmm. when we yeah. started out. You know, and so we were really excited to bring it to people and. There was like a lot of uh, fussiness, you know. Because you were doing something different than Jawbreaker and different from that genre, and you're kind of like people were not cool with it. They thought we were Britpop or indie, and that became this kind of term of derision. I mean, I mean, did you essentially take? I mean, I mean, did you? I I don't know. Did you essentially take Jawbreaker as far as I could go, or what? I mean, as far as songwriting goes, and like well, that was all you, pretty much, as far as the songwriting goes. No, nah, well, I mean, it was pretty collective, but I, I mean, I was across the coast from those guys, and we'd broken up, so yeah, yeah there was there was no point in continuing that. <laughs> yeah. And I had this new band with Jeremy, like the bass player in the Jets, was 
kind of my writing partner, we had written all these, we'd both come out of like kind of disenfranchised hardcore situations in a way. <laughs> like I was coming from Jawbreaker and he was coming from Handsome. Yeah, Handsome. Wow. Who were fucking amazing then. They got no love. Yeah, I remember them playing Albany and people were fake dancing to them like assholes. I remember that. They would be like, like, like dudes in like visors and like big pants were like fake dancing to them like because they're opening for like a hardcore band. But they would also get stuck on that circuit, you know, opening for a hardcore. Were they doing like a slow mosh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that kind of shit. They were very slow mosh too. It was, yeah. it was a pretty massive sounding record. Yeah. But yeah, we both were kind of had our own band damage and like to have found this refuge on South 4th Street in Williamsburg where a friend of mine got me a, a cheap studio and um, I'd ride I had a motorcycle then I was cool so I would, like Jeremy would get on the back of my bike with his bass and like a big bag and we'd go over and work on country songs because he really liked country and I I kind of intuitively like country mm-hmm. and we would just I would show him my like heartbreak songs and he would show me his heartbreak songs and that's how that band started. And then we kind of got a little more gutsy and went psychedelic. And we're like, let's just let's just push it a little bit because we're punks. And um, so it was really that was a super cool band because it was so organic. We tried out a couple drummers and we found Chris and Chris just got it. And like I think we thought early on like, oh, we just we did want to be like some of the newer British bands and the older British bands. We, we just listened to a lot of 60s and 90s music and kind of <laughs> split the difference. And So it was a very fun band to be in, but playing, it sucked because people just wanted Jawbreaker, basically. How did you deal with that? Like, what, what was your response? We just got plucky. You know, we were just like, well, fuck them and like, fuck all our fans. Yeah. We hated our fans for the first year and a half. We, uh, and it was rad. It was a really good thing to do as a band. We just really like soldered as a yeah. unit. And we're like, we're just going to go tear the shit out of this set. And we can make this punk. Like, what we're doing, well, it may not be ostensibly punk, is going to come off with that conviction. And I think more often than not, we. You know, we succeeded in that. We kind of won, and then we had to win fans. Basically, it was like just do our show every night, get well oiled as like a touring unit, and uh, kind of went like that. We never had great success, but it was like just enough that we could live off it. Yeah, and kind of tour a lot. Best feeling in the world, though, honestly, when you're about in like you know about a weekend, and you're just you just fucking destroy. The crowd, the tour band, type, the band tour type. Exactly, we used to call it tour type. You destroy the crowd. You destroy the fucking bands you played with. You destroy each other. Like we, we, we were just so we would. It was just giddy. Like halfway through the set, you just knew it was so nice, and you didn't give a fuck who cared about you. Or it was like it is a feeling I haven't felt in forever. But it was so nice. It's such it's a, a good nice feeling. feeling. It's such and a you good know what? I, I always gauged it by when you went over like the sound person. That's it. Yeah. Exactly. Like exactly. if you got the house on your side, 
and they're just like, wow, in man, Europe, y'all got some good songs. In England, we like, got the, yeah. In England, we got the house on our side to the point where like, didn't the in Leeds didn't the bass the the, uh, the house like let you borrow like their bass amp or some shit or they they let you play bass through the board because that amp, that amp blew up. something like that but yeah, something yeah. that like is an impossible pain in the ass for a sound guy to do he did for us because we were like we sounded like we weren't like some derivative white belt fucking garbage that we were always playing with you had to invoke the white belt no it was it was a weird time to yeah, be I mean, evergreen right. Yeah, exactly. Well, see, you know, but that was like that was the white belt, and like that was maybe the acceptable time for white belts, you know. And then I go to get to New York, and six months later, people are like white belt, listening to Neil Perry, and like getting a swoopy, and like it's just not. (laughs) By that time, I was delivering pizza. Hans, your jargon is just out of control. (laughs) Thank you. How how do you live in Albany and have all this like cutting edge? Jargon. That's I live in Brooklyn. I, I don't know he paints, shit. He paints a very vivid picture. Yeah, yeah. he's an artist of a literary I artist. I, yeah. wear a, I wear a coat of many colors. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Thank you, though. Appreciate that. I, I, I'm just very. I always watch people. And very. I You're very like, perceptive. My father's the same way. He'll just make up a word for somebody. He'd be like, "Oh, look at that!" You know, gloopy, gloopy do. You know, or something like that. He'd be like, in the, like "My father was recently in the hospital. I have a hip replaced, and he was like making fun of his like nurses behind, like right behind their backs." He's like, hey, "Send me another one about this. Send me another one that looks like that. And I'll just jump out the window and save him a lot of trouble." And like saying it all like really loud and like like an old guy. Like my father's like my father's the jam. I get a lot of my like, like swashbuckling bullshit from my father. And he just, uh, my father recently, uh, I installed Skype on his on his computer, so him and I Skype sometimes now. But he just shares like kitten videos with me, and so it's really great. We talk about uh, World War II a lot. It's uh, him and I are World War II history buffs. So I get it from him. He gave me one of the earliest books he gave me was something called The Hitler File. And it was a book by, uh, there's a guy, uh, I forget his name, but it's a British author who wrote nothing about nothing but World War II German history. And my father had all of his books. And in, in addition to like being like a guy who like drove trucks and uh, like listened to classic rock and way, like, like fucking, my dad was really into Wings. He had like all the Wings records and shit. <laughs> and like, I, that's For right. Wild. I love oh, Wings. Jesus. I feel like that makes sense. Yeah. When he was a trucker. He hated, time. he did, never liked the Beatles, but loved Wings. He's like, oh man. Like, then when the uh, <laughs> Alan Partridge show came out, and then the, the, the line of the Alan Partridge show was like, Wings, the band the Beatles could have been. And I showed that to my father, and he's like, it's true. No, it's totally, it's, <laughs> is this guy for real? And like, it's like, Zabino stereo, and that same scene. Yeah. It's so, like, oh, and he's so like, bad. He's like, oh, no. No, but that was, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So my long story about my jargon. Thank you. Jesus. Do you wanna? We're getting rambly. You wanna pull the plug in the episode? We'll uh, we'll call it a wrap on this one. Call it a wrap. Close for you. No. Now we have to. We gotta keep the timing tighter, which is gonna be yeah. rough with the new uh, with the new way we're gonna record. It's gonna be rough. No, no, no. no not gonna happen. All right. All right. What's the new way? What's the new way? Oh, you like this mobile? Yeah. I got I got a new I got a new thing working. Well, I'm not gonna bore everyone with it, but I'll tell you about it once we stop recording. Okay. But, yeah, I, uh, I do need some MIDI counsel and some. <laughs> we'll get MIDI going. How hard could it be? It's only eight pins, right? Figure it out. <laughs> um, yeah, you guys have anything you want to plug? 
I love cats. This cat. This cat. This cat is cannot wait to get away from you right now. Nope. Yeah, I'm just I'm. I'm advocating the virtue of, of freedom. Yeah, you're, you're back in business. <laughs> We're happy to have you back in one piece. That's uh, exciting news. Yeah, it's very exciting. I'm happy to return to the general population. Jen Pop. Jen Pop. I hope we can see you play soon. And I hope I can play soon. For yeah. sure. All right. Well, got to find some willing, willing uh, people. Willing people out there. I'm about to find Call her back. I'm about to find some sidemen. Alright, this has been episode 103. Blue bipolar sideman. Blake Schwarzenbach and bipolar sideman. Perfect. Well, hey, podcast listener. My name is Vince, and I'm the host of a show called The RR Show. It stands for Reddit Readings. We're going to sit down twice a week, and I'm going to bring you the most entertaining stories from all of the best subreddits that exist online. Things like malicious compliance, petty revenge, hey, lady, I don't work here. Oh, there's so much more. Lots of great stories and things you won't believe. Like the one time uh, this dude was caught in a bathroom with his friend, and he was slapping them because that was the only way that he could actually legitimately help them. A mall cop comes in with a taser. Oh, yeah, the rest is history. It's going to be fun. There is, uh, I don't know, I got like 20 seconds left, so I don't got much more time to tell you another story. But just join me on The RR Show. It's from Evergreen Podcast, produced in partnership with Wessler Media. So The RR Show. Wherever you get podcasts, subscribe today. And uh, it's like an adult story time. Let's hang out together. The RR Show. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts.